Yes, so I'm bringing a word um, about one of our core values, which is um, we live generously. We live generously um, because God is generous, and we, our tag scripture is John 3.16. How many know that for God so loved the world, he, he gave? He was generous. What did he give? Did he give his junk? Did he give uh, like something to kind of just give a little token? No, he bankrupt heaven. He gave his best. He gave his precious son who gave his precious blood. And so we give because God is a giver, right? That's who he is. He's a giver. Amen. You can clap for that. That's a good, good thing to clap for. And um, I'm just going to quickly read through the 10 um, core values. The reason we've really honed in on these is because we are shaping our church DNA right now, right? There's the body of Christ. Some are the hands, some are the foot, some are the pinky. I don't know what we are, but we have a specific call and we're running in a specific direction and we're called to be a certain people. Amen? Some churches you jive with and some churches you don't. And if you don't jive with this one, find the one that you do because you're called to be part of one of them, okay? Right? So we are shaping the values of City Lights Church so we're all on the same page because our heart is to light up the world, the, um, light up our world with the love of Jesus. That's our tagline. And so we all have to be on the same page so we can carry that light and we're not confused and thinking, what is my church really about? So these are our core values and we want them to influence the way we think and behave as a city lighter, right? <laughs> so number one, we love God passionately. I think we went there today. It's good. We are a family. Saw that today too, right? Grandpa baptizing. Um, we honor people. We prayed for a guy. So these aren't just blowing smoke, right? This is like actually who we are, okay? God is good. How many of you felt today God is good in worship? Are we actually living these? We're living because it's shaping who this church is right now. Okay, anything is possible. How many of you felt like you experienced that today? Yes, amen? Okay, we rest in the finished work of the cross. Do we preach the gospel where people saved today? Come on, Jesus. Thank you, God. Um, we live generously. We're going to cover this one. We serve wholeheartedly. Did you feel like Jory brought half, half of herself today? <laughs> she thinks she showed up half asleep. No, she gives it all, right? So we give wholeheartedly. We value the family of Christ. We demonstrated that. And we will go. And um, we're going to go to Montfort first, right? So we live these things. These are supposed to inform who we are. These are the things that Kurt and I are, these are non-negotiables for who we are. We felt like when we planted this church that these were the blueprints of the bone structure of our church. So living generously, um, basically the title is, I want to talk about giving from the heart. Because everything really is about the heart. It's not about the amount, it's about the attitude. Okay, that's a kingdom principle. It's really about our attitudes. And I want to go through a couple of negative ones and a positive one. And it's going to be really simple. And I'm, you guys can relax. I'm not going to start beating you to death and making you feel guilty about giving your money. So you can just relax. You'll never get that here. Because that's not the heart of God, to twist somebody's arm. We will never do that to you. And the cool thing is I'm standing before people who already know this because you demonstrate it by giving. And um, you give because you love, 
because you're just like God. And if you have some areas to grow in, that's all I want to cover today. And I thought of this funny story about giving and growing in maturity with giving. And I thought about when I uh, really gave my heart to Jesus when I was probably 18 years old. And um, I actually grew up in a very generous family. My dad is a giver. He is so generous. He um, is retired, and every Tuesday night, he takes out his grandkids to dinner every week and spends time with all his grandkids every week. No shame on you if you're not that grandpa. My dad is, and he is like above and beyond generous. And he buys them ice cream, and he lets them swim at his pool because he lives at an apartment place. He's over the top, so I grew up with this household. My mom, I have to be careful to compliment her because literally, if I say I like your earrings, she will give them to me. Like, that is my mom. She just gifts, right? So I grew up in a culture of giving so when I got really zealous for God, and I, I, I was 18, and I was like, God, you gave me everything. You didn't hold back. I'm going to give you everything. And I started being at every prayer meeting, every single event I could be at. I, I was double tithing, you know, made like, I don't know, 100 bucks a week. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. But I was double tithing. I was giving all my time. I was taking people out to coffee and, and everything. And the, the funny part of this story is I did this for many years. And then I got married, and I joined my finances with Kurt. And he was like, honey, you have some credit cards with over 20% interest, and you're, <laughs> you're really generous. But um, do you think that's really honoring to God to be not wise with your own finances? Could we maybe um, tithe the 10% and clean some of this up? Don't, don't you think it'd be a little more honoring <laughs> with your money than just giving and giving and giving without taking care of my money? How many of you? So that's immaturity. So that's just the heart of immaturity. It was a really good motive. My heart was for God, but it was a very funny journey. And so there was a season where we only gave 10% to clean up our debt, and then we were free to give more. And our heart is that 10% is the training wheels, right? It's not like I have to do this. It's just like I get to do this, and then above that is awesome. And it's just giving to God, right? That's how we think. You guys do what you do, find your theology. It is in the Bible, but um, that's our heart. So I started wising up. So um, Kurt always says this, it's important to give your all unless it's blood. Good one, Kurt. Solid. Solid. Okay, so these are the three heart attitudes. I'll try to move, move along here. Um, first of all, when I'm talking about giving, I'm talking about our time, our talents, and our treasures. Many of you have heard this before. Our time is just being generous and available for people, for God to, to speak to us, and we are flexible enough to do what he's saying, right? Our talent is our gifts. So Jory's talented. She comes, and she is practicing all week. She's bringing her best to give as an offering to the Lord. She really does it for you, but she does it for Jesus, right? And then our treasure is our money and our stuff, okay? So when I'm talking about giving, I'm talking about giving anything. You can give a compliment. You can give someone a ride. You can give someone lunch. You can give $10,000 to something that your heart is burning for. It's all giving, and it's all kingdom, okay? All right, so 
the, the first heart attitude that I just want to go after is found in 2 Corinthians 9. So if y'all want to scroll with me or open an actual Bible, it's up to you. Um, we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. And Paul is writing a letter to the Corinthian church, and he is getting them ready for a visit, and he is preparing them to prepare themselves to bring an offering. He's actually giving them time because he wants people to do it in a way that is pleasing to God and healthy for them because he's a loving pastor and he wants to see God's best, okay? So this is what he tells them. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So the first heart attitude is if you are a reluctant or compulsive heart, if you are reluctant or compulsive. So I'm just gonna unpack that a bit. Giving reluctantly is, is also translated grudgingly or regretfully or with complaining, right? How many of you have ever felt that? Have you ever given a gift because some slick, hypey salesperson was like, whoa, they have the smoke and the lights and they're like, you gotta get on board with this, whoa! and there's like the bass pumping, and you're like, oh, I'm gonna give all my money away. And you drive out of the parking lot, and you're like, what did I just do? Oh my gosh, like, that was so foolish. I can't pay my rent. What am I doing? And you know that it was not the spirit of God, but it was the manipulation. Okay, we should never be manipulated into giving. God is so much bigger than that. He's not gonna twist your arm because he has all the money anyway. Okay, he owns it, so you don't have to worry about that. Um, and, we, and we don't want, as pastors, you to ever give a group grudgingly, and we don't want you to grumble about money. We want you to be excited about it. Um, the other thing, oh, wait, that was, okay, giving under compulsion was the story I just told. Sorry about that. I am just a girl preaching a word, so you'll have to follow me. <laughs> okay, I mixed it up, but you guys are fine. You're fine. Giving under compulsion is the hype. Okay, that's the hype one. That's manipulation. That's when you sense this like momentum and a pressure. You feel a pressure to give. Okay, the first one was giving reluctantly, and that is giving because you feel like you have to. And like, oh, I guess I have to because everyone else is doing it, and I don't want to, and I don't feel like it, but I guess I need to obey because that's what the law does is it makes you feel a lot of pressure. So what are the results of these kind of givings? It's always going to result in regret. It's always going to result in grief because you're going to grieve over the potential that that sacrifice could have had that would have brought life to you. So when you actually sacrifice something, you don't have it anymore. And if that sacrifice, that amount of money or time was meant for something life-giving, you'll actually grieve over giving it in the wrong direction that didn't serve the kingdom. There's like a grieving of, I missed it big, and that could have been an offering for God. Okay? And you will be in bondage. Some of you get into debt, and then you're, you're paying bills for something that you pledged or sacrificed for, and you're caught up in that, and then you're not free to give in other areas. Okay? So we love you as pastors, and we do not want that in your life. So the cheerful giver, this word means prompt, willing, and cheerful. And many of you know the Greek word for that, that cheerful is hilario. What does that sound like? Hilarious. I love that. 
God wants us to give with a hilarious heart. And it is hilarious to even say that because it's so funny. But God demonstrates who he is in that when he gives, he is hilarious about it. He is ecstatic about it. He is cracking up and so happy to give. That's who he is. And so you know when you're on track with giving, if you feel so excited, because you're going to have a sacrifice. You're going to feel the like, I have to let this thing go. That's what sacrifice feels like. But there's a joy in it, right? Hilarious. And God doesn't give out of obligation, and he never is grumbling or complaining about what he just had to give. He's happy about it. He's very confident about it, and he feels fine. Have you ever gone over to someone's house for dinner or been around someone who's like, come over, I just want to take care of you and treat you. And then you feel weird. Like you feel pressure over, should I have a half a steak? I don't know, whole steak. What? You feel like they're a little miserly with what they're offering to you. And you're thinking, I would have rather not been here right now because this gift does not feel right. I would rather you've never invited me over than done this because I feel uncomfortable. I feel like God's the same way. He's like, I don't want it. I don't really want that gift. I don't need it if your heart's not right, okay? Like, I don't, he, doesn't, he doesn't need it. So just save your money if your heart's not right. And I'm confident that he'll provide the needs for this church without that stinky gift, okay? He, <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> I'm, I don't know. The crazy thing about God is you'll probably still reap a harvest because the law of sowing and reaping is real. It's a real law. It's a real principle, spiritual principle. So you probably will reap a harvest, but just check your heart, right? And me too. Okay. So this is driven by fear of men. This is driven by a totally world focus. You are driven to give compulsively or reluctantly only because you really care about what people think. That's the only thing that drives this. You could just want to impress us. I hope Pastor Kurt and Emily see my offering and they know how much I give. And it's like, we actually don't, and we don't care. We're not thinking about that. We really love you. You give to God. You give to God, and it's a holy thing. It is not for people, and it's totally a heart issue, okay? So this is how you know if you're driven to give for approval or fear of men. If I don't give, people will be mad at me. How many of you have appointments like that where you're like, if I don't go with them, they're going to be mad at me, but I really don't have time. It's okay to say no when you have limits on your giving. It's okay. If I don't give, they will think less of me. If I don't give, they won't like me anymore. I need people to see how much I am invested in this thing, and I have to prove it to them by giving big. The drive to give gets people into debt and drains the life and joy for them in the payout. So probably still reap a harvest, but there's a lot less joy in it than when you're God-led, okay? And Jesus only did what his father was doing. And by the way, we're allergic to hype. I hate it. I hate hype. I hate it. And it is something that I just won't do. So if you don't like that, I am so sorry. But I'm never going to try to psych you up unless I really feel like God's in it, okay? Because it's just weird and awkward. And I'm not a politician. So (laughs) there's a gift in that. I just don't have it. Okay, our heart as a church is to raise up a company of people who like when, uh, this is an obscure Christian story, so just follow me. Um, Saul, the king, when um, David was being, um, 
in his season where he, gosh, this is hard to set up because I'm, okay. So Saul was the king and David was anointed to be king. But, um, okay, I'm gonna start over. I'm so sorry, you guys. Okay, King Saul. I got this. It's a good word. It's okay. I'm confident. I'm just trying to get my thoughts together. I'm okay. Um, Okay. So this is how the story goes. Um, Saul was a man who God set aside to lead Israel. And he was just a guy. And then he was anointed to become king, the first king of Israel. And what happened to him is he came into a company of prophets and there were these, these men who were always after God's face, and they were always um, speaking the words of God. And the amazing thing was, when he came around them, do you guys know what happened to him? He began to prophesy. He didn't have that gift, wasn't on his life. But because he was around a company of people who were doing that, there was like a grace extended to him that he could prophesy. I have a vision for City Lights Church to walk in as a company of people that walk in generosity. That's radical. And you just come around it and you're like, I just want to, I just want to be a blessing. I just want to give. I just want to encourage. I don't know why. I was, it used to be a total jerk. But I started going to this church and all these people are kind and I'm just in this, this prophetic, uh, generous people and I just can't help it, right? That is biblical um, spirit of generosity and prophecy and all these things, right? And that is what we're after. That's what I'm after. How about you? Yeah? So if we stir each other up in that, I think people will even visit our church and want to give. It's crazy. It's just part of it. Okay, the second heart posture is the stingy heart. Proverbs eleven twenty four, one person gives freely yet gains even more, another withholds unduly and comes to poverty. So if you guys go back to 2 Corinthians 9, we'll just jump back up to the verse before the one I read when I opened. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, whoever sows generously will reap generously. Again, reaping and sowing is a spiritual law. It's like gravity. It is like magnetism. It just happens. It's just real. God set his kingdom up like it. When you sow, you reap, right? So here's an illustration. A farmer has a field, and he sows some seeds in the field, and then what happens? They grow, and then what? They get a harvest. So let's pretend the farmer is an idiot, and he has a bunch of seeds, and he's like, I just really, really like these seeds so much. I just really like them, so I'm just going to keep them in a jar this year because I just really like them. (laughs) These are some awesome seeds. Um, So then what happens? Nothing. Nothing. So that's obviously so dumb. (laughs) But let's meddle a little bit, because it's real for the Christian sometimes. A Christian who's not generous, having an outflow of a stream of giving in their life, is like a farmer who just has a jar of seeds. If you are so wrapped up in you and you are so precious about your stuff, you literally will not have a harvest. You will not get to join in the joy of the Father. It is a law. I am not being hard on you. I'm telling you, like, giving is for you. (laughs) That farmer, he's made to have a crop. You were made to stand before God and have a harvest to give him. 
because you were born for it. You are not required to do what I was called to do, and I am not required to do what you were called to do, but you have to do your assignment. Come on. All right. A stingy Christian, I listened to a little bit of Joyce Meyer. She said they look like a shriveled little heart, and they're just crotchety and mean and nasty. We are. That is opposite of what a Christian should look like. Zero of the fruit of the Spirit is a shriveled, stinky heart that is afraid. And, and a stingy um, heart is driven by fear because you're afraid if I give, then I won't have enough. You want to control what, what's happening so you do not submit to God and believe that he will provide for you. And you have a perception that there is not enough. And so this perception will, you won't get a harvest. And I, I have an example of that in the Bible. And this, um, the parable of the talents. Let's go to Matthew 25. This parable has been the single most impactful scripture for me to mature as a Christian because it talks about um, the way God gives gifts to us and the way he portions out stuff, right? Talents, money, abilities, all of that, right? We're all different, but he does give portions of things that we're responsible for. So the, um, the master, I'm just going to summarize. We don't have to read it all. The, um, so there's a farmer who has people that work for him, and he's going to go on a journey, and he gives um, bags of money to them, when he leaves, when he entrusts them. So, okay, maybe I'll read it, I don't know. Uh, one, he gave five bags of gold. Another, he gave two bags. Another, one bag, each according to his ability. And then he went away on a journey. So the man who had five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work, and he gained five bags. So also with the one with two bags, he gained two more. But the man who received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with him. The man who had received five bags of gold brought um, the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold, so you have gained you five more. Same thing happened with the second guy. And then um, the master said to those people in verse 23, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with few things. I will put you in charge of Many things come and share in your master's happiness. Okay, the cry of my heart is I want to, if I had one, I want to give him two. And there's even a scripture where you can give him a 30, a 60, a hundredfold increase. I want a hundredfold increase when I stand before God because he's coming back and it is real. And you will give an account. If you are a one bag person, he will say, how's it going? I, this, is, this is just a quick little thing. I feel insecure when I play the guitar and when I sing, and I feel a, a stewardship to God that I would never bury that talent. If someone asked me to lead worship or sing, I do it for him, and I know it's maybe a one talent, but he'll increase it, and he'll increase it, and, and because I step out in courage with the one talent, he increases it, and it's for him. It is for him. I've had to break through more fear than you guys could even know. Just saying yes. And I will say this. This is not for like trying out for American Idol where you actually don't have a talent at all. Don't get out, get out of that lane. <laughs> you need to be invited into the talent. And then there's a requirement to steward it. 
and to grow it, even when it's small and it's embarrassing and it's not developed yet. Because that's the one talent, it's the undeveloped seedling, but you say, I, what little I have, I'm giving. And it's gonna grow, and it's gonna grow, and I don't even know why, but I have a church and sometimes I lead worship and it's amazing, I don't know. But it started 20 years ago when I said, I will say yes to you no matter what you ask me to do. I will say yes. I'll say yes if you ask me to preach. I will say yes if you ask me to give. I will say yes if you ask me to pick up a piece of trash outside. I will say yes to you because I am accountable for everything you put me in charge of. Okay? So verse 24, the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. This is really hard, guys. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. At least put it in a bank account. (laughs) Like, if it gains two cents, that's what he wants. Do something with it. Do not bury your talents. You will give an account. It's a sobering thing, right? Okay, I'm trying to encourage you because I think there's so much more in this church that if I pull on that thing, that maybe you'll have the courage to step out in it, okay? So don't hear me saying you're gonna stand before God and be judged. Hear me saying that at City Lights, you have a place to start growing in those gifts and depositing things and starting to mature. Sound good? So I'm not trying to be hard on you. Okay. And this view of God is incorrect. And it offended God, (laughs) if you think he's a hard man. So this is a heart issue. A stingy heart has a view of God that he is mean and he is going to take. And and you have to protect. And you don't understand that he is a giver and he's hilarious and he's excited. And he just adds and he adds and he adds, okay? All right, you guys good? Okay, we're almost done. Keeping it going. Um, And the Bible says, Proverbs 11.25. Oh, wait, the result of that is no harvest. I already said that. Um, Proverbs 11.25. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Amen? We have to have the stream in and out. Don't be the dead sea of stuff because you probably don't even know where your stuff is that's so precious to you. (laughs) That precious little knick-knack that you can't get rid of. You don't need it. Like, it's okay. Don't be a dead sea of stuff and be precious. Give it. Like, let life flow through you, okay? Even in your house. Throw some stuff away. That's from Kurt. (laughs) My husband is a minimalist. Okay. So the third heart posture is this, a cheerful heart. I already read to you John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, he gave, right? Gave his precious son. Hebrews 12, 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the for the the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of God. You have to understand the generosity of his life was hilarious. It was a joy because he knew what he was getting was us. Like he was in love with us, so he gave, he gave, he gave, okay? And it wasn't because we were really good and we were really kind and we never did anything wrong. Romans 5, 8, while we were still 
What did he do? He died for us. This is why, because Jesus actually demonstrated kingdom cheerful giving, this is why he can ask us and say, will you bless those who curse you? Will you give to those who you're offended with? Will you give to those? Will you be generous anyway? That's a hard thing. How many of you (laughs) want to give to someone who's abused you? How many of you want to let go and reconcile and be generous or give money to somebody who cheated you? Well, it sounds really terrible, but Jesus walked the walk. And so therefore, there is a grace for us to have a level of hilarious kingdom and generosity where it's actually a joy to give to people who've hurt us because it'll set us free. Amen? And we get to feel that joy from him. And the driver of a cheerful giver is that we want God's kingdom to be here on earth as it is in heaven. We want the prayer of Jesus to be answered and to say, you're established authority the way you think is how I want to be. And so it's a different playbook because we're aliens and strangers. We want his playbook, which is a cheerful giver who blesses people who hurt them. You don't get that from the government, right? That's a different playbook. That's a kingdom playbook. And I want to show you guys a video that I love, and I'll, I'll wrap up in a few minutes here, but I want you guys to turn your attention. Do you have that ready, JD? Yeah, okay. So I want you guys to watch this. Our person of the week, sitting in the crowd of thousands at the Arizona Diamondbacks game, a 12-year-old boy watching the game, about to do something that would catch not only their eyes in the announcer's booth, but ours too. We couldn't believe what we were seeing. It was the fourth inning. A player tosses a ball into the stands. Two little boys wanted it but only Ian McMillan would get it. Oh, look at that young Brewers fan. Now, wait a minute, he is, did he get? No. Oh, boy. He is sour. He is sour. The Diamondback fan got it. The announcer's watching with their own play-by-play. Huh? Oh, he's bummed Are you kidding me? This kid's going to do this? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That is big time. Oh, my goodness. What a nice young man. Well, he's got a Diamondbacks hat, but we have to get something for that kid got, in the red. I can't something. believe I just witnessed that. That is that just, awesome. You that, young man are a young star. You are awesome. The game would go on, Ian having given up his prized catch, but then a phone call. It seemed someone had seen his kindness on TV. He's being told right now that he's being praised on TV. Yeah, he's big league. He is late today, league. we met Ian too. I thought it was the right thing to do. Like, I saw the kid, he was really sad, so I decided just to give the ball back. And my mom and my dad, like, taught, like, taught me that way, so it's kind of just, like, natural. Ian didn't leave that game empty-handed. Moments after giving that ball away, the announcers had a special gift for the fan, a baseball bat signed by his favorite player. Often autographed bat and a contract. For the generous Ian and his buddies. The box was really, really cool. I was like really surprised and like I did not see that coming. He's got good home training. That's a, yeah, that's, that's a very well-bred young man. If you do good things, good things will happen to you. Reminding us all that often what you give... Nice going, young man. ...delivers far more in return than even a little boy could imagine. And so we choose Ian McMillan with a lesson for us all. And we learned late today that after talking to us... When I watched that video, I was thinking of the announcers as like Father God. Like, what just happened? (laughs) Circling your face and saying, 
what just happened? Did you see that? Gabriel, Michael, come here. Look at that. Look at that. He did what was natural to him. He did what was natural to him. I, I, this is the picture of a heart that is raised in a culture of, I just do that because it's what you do because that's my family values and that's what my parents are like. Okay, right? That's all you do. It's not hard. It's not complicated. It's not rocket surgery. It is... (laughs) I love you guys. Thank you. (laughs) So encouraging. (laughs) It is the easiest thing in the world if you understand what God's kingdom is like. And there's such a joy and there's such a reward because he's always watching and you're giving to him. And what, one thing I just wanted to kind of wrap up with is we have a verse in the scripture and it says, whoever is kind, oh, this is Proverbs 19, 17, if you're taking notes, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them for what they have done. Like, how could the God of creation who needs nothing say when you give to some poor person, you're actually giving to God? Like, that touches his heart. He's like an announcer circling your face. You didn't have to do it. That kid went right back to his friends and he was just moving on. He didn't think twice. He wasn't showing off. He just sat there and was like, yep, anyway, it's a great game, you know? And he wasn't thinking about the account of what he had sown. And God is like, whoa, let's give him a sign bat. Let's get him in the box seats, whatever. We lend to the Lord when we give. And I was just thinking about um, our friend Elijah here, who this guy works a full-time job. Do you have six kids? Five? Eight? They have eight kids total, JC and Elijah. (laughs) He works full-time commutes. JC works full-time. They're here every Saturday. He puts all of those handy-dandy um, offering envelopes and connect cards in your seat backs every week, puts away some of the Seventh-day stuff. He trains the ushers. He, um, and every other Saturday, he serves the homeless in Greeley. He cuts their hair. He, 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 it's like what, what he has, he's giving it. And he's like, I'm not certified, so I can do it for volunteering. And um, I want to do this. So he has a place in um, downtown Greeley. And every other week, him and Kevin, and Kevin's amazing, and thank you all for serving. And um, they give to the Lord because they give to the poor every week. And what they, what they do is they give them showers, they cut their hair, and they give them clean clothes. And he came up to me beaming, Elijah, a couple weeks ago and said, our first homeless guy just got a job. He got a job and I helped him. That guy had dignity, and he was cleaned up for this interview because Elijah's not doing that for anything. He, he doesn't even have time for this, but it's a joy because he sees the joy set before him is, I believe that these men are so valuable to Jesus, and they're not made to be down and out. They're not made to be broke like that. They are called to more. I'm going to give them dignity, and I'm going to see them walk in what they were made for, and it's that first step. Amen? Okay. So good. So I just want to say, um, I mean, and, and then one last thing I just have in my notes is Pastor John Stucker, you are a hero. All of this I learned from him. He's a papa. And all of you, 
All of you know it, right? How many of you learned this from Pastor John? <laughs> Let's not pretend that I just got this because I'm so smart. It's because I had a papa teach me. The more you give, the more you live. Remember that one, Pastor John? He served God faithfully in ministry full-time for 35 years, 40 years? Forever, okay. 52? 52 years. Retired, came back. The first sermon he preached was, the more you give, the more you live. We're not done yet. And he just talked about how his life, since he's done with ministry, he does it with joy in his heart. He prays for waitresses. He tips generously. He sees the one, one at a time. He don't have to have a platform. We all get to join in. Every salvation hand we had today, the coffee person who came early to serve, the people who put up the pipe and drape, the team who prays, the team who's serving our kids, they get to joy. Participate in the joy of those salvations because they gave. That is the beauty of a spirit of generosity, okay? Do you all feel like your arms were twisted? Do you feel manipulated? I pray that never happens in this church because it is such a gift. And my challenge to you is look for, pray, ask God, what is one person I can give to this week? How can I touch one person this week with my giving? And just ask him, and do it and see how that feels. Does it feel hilarious? It should. And I'd love to hear testimonies if you guys take this, okay? And I wanna thank you for your faithfulness. I wanna thank you for tithing. I do think we give to God and we give to the storehouse. If you're a member here, that's awesome. We appreciate it, but go above and beyond that. Okay, all right, so I'm gonna pray. Jesus, thank you for your church. Thank you for the generosity of these people. God, I pray that anyone that feels reluctant or compulsive when they give, that you would help them to break free of that. In Jesus' name, that they would only give to you. They would only give to you, Jesus, because you are worthy. And God, I pray anyone that has a stingy, fearful heart where they don't have a harvest, God, I ask that you give them vision for what you are asking of them in the future when they stand before you. And I ask that they would get, they would repent for that stinginess and they would be free and that your flow would begin to move through them in Jesus' name. And God, I thank you for hilarious, cheerful givers. I thank you, God, that this is a prophet, a prophetic community of cheerful givers that people come around us and it's like I can't help but give and love. And I just bless this church. I bless what you're doing here in Jesus' name. Amen.